what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. For organizations looking to enhance their customer relationships, this is Stepping Up Service. Hello and welcome to Stepping Up Service here on TheMesh.TV. My name is Alan Jackson. With me as always, my co-host on this show, Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. Ed, how are you doing today? I am doing great, Alan. How are you today? Doing fine. Doing just fine. This is our show on TheMesh.TV where we talk about the world of customer service, delivering customer service to your customers, to your coworkers, to vendors, to anybody you may interact with in your organization. And this applies to any type of organization where you have uh, the level of service you're wanting to keep up at a very high level and me having that be known as a real uh, pillar of your organization as you go forward. We've been doing this show for many, many months now. Every month we kind of explore one little topic of customer service, whether it be a list of to-do items, whether it be some things to better understand your customers and your patrons. And this episode is no different. We're going to have what Ed is being called, and I see this from one of your recent tip of the weeks that you have on your website, Ed. It's the instilling the four S's of the customer experience, and that is the four, number four, S's, letter S, uh, as we get into this topic, right? So you got the little, the nice little name for the topic here with yes, that. excellent. You got it correct. Good. Before we get into the topic, though, just a little bit of background information. Uh, Ed Gagnon is with Customer Service Solutions, a company that's working with many, many organizations on helping improve their customer service experience uh, and also improving the overall culture of the organization and building it around the idea of service excellence. You can learn more about Customer Service Solutions by visiting their website, which is CSS America. A couple of S's in there too, Ed. So we got S's all over the place. There's a theme. There's a theme. It's a great site for blog posts, for uh, documents to view, and and just to get some good information. And then, of course, you can reach out to Ed and his cohorts and find out if they can help you and your organization help elevate that customer service experience and culture. And my name is Alan Jackson. I'm with the Jackson Group, a firm that specializes in employee and customer engagement and satisfaction surveys. You can learn more about our company at thejacksongroup.com. That's T-H-E, jacksongroup.com. And learn about the work that we've been doing for many organizations for close to 40 years now. So, Ed, as we get into our topic, the instilling the four S's of the customer experience, let's kind of back up a little bit. You know, we've done such a great job over the months of helping people see different ways that as an individual, uh, you could work on improving your own customer service skills, getting to know the customer a little bit better and what their expectations are. But from what I understand from you, and this is one of your tip of the weeks that I read on your, your, your website blog, there are some things that are kind of non-negotiable from a company or organization standpoint that must be done in order to really ensure you are delivering a strong customer service experience. Is that is that correct? Did I read that correctly? Yeah, yes, definitely. And you, you drew a really good distinction there because a lot of times we do talk about those one-on-one interactions and how do you handle those in that moment of truth, truth with the customer. We even uh, several years ago, I wrote a tip uh, on the four S's of expectation management, which is different than today. And that was very tactical. It said if if you want to manage your customers' expectations, make sure they have a very clear uh, thought in mind about who's going to do what, how long something's going to take, what can and cannot be done. The four S's of expectation management are you communicate in a very simple way with the customer. You're very specific with the customer. You give them some supporting 
documentation so it's not purely verbal. You summarize at the end so you're you're, re- you're reiterating the key points. And that is very tactical, and oftentimes we do talk about that. But the uh, instilling the four S's of, ex- uh, of the customer experience is a little bit more strategic. Okay. Uh, it's a little bit more looking uh, at yourself as an organization and saying, if I want to make sure we have a great experience, however your organization or your customers define a great experience, what are some of those key non-negotiables that organizations must do if they want to ensure that, that their customers consistently have a great experience. So we're not talking here little tips and tricks and things that you can try to work on to constantly just keep ratcheting up your customer service skills and experience. We're talking about these are the things that an organization must have and have a, a good strong hold on to ensure that they are able to have what should be considered a very good strong level of service in general. Right, strong level of service and very consistent service where it's not purely dependent on the time of day, the day of week, which employee is delivering the service. If you want to have consistency, which is where your brand really starts to to take form, uh, then these four S's uh, of the um, customer experience are really going to get your organization focused, more consistent about how it goes about delivering that experience to its customers. Great. Well, why don't we go ahead and get started? Let's let's jump right into these four S's of the customer service experience, must-haves, must-dos for your organization to have a successful customer experience overall with a consistent basis. Uh, What's the first one we've got, Ed? Well, well, the first one we have, and actually prior to getting into that, just to make this a little bit interesting, we haven't played a podcast game in a while, Alan. Oh, I know, and I've been missing those so much. So I, I, I know you have. So th- this game, uh, believe it or not, is going to be all about you, Alan. Oh, of course. So, well, then I'm, I'm already a fan. So. <laughs> good, good. good. <laughs> and it, this is called the King for a Day game. So okay. uh, you will get participation points based on the quality of your answers. And if you get up to 50,000 points by the end of this podcast, you will officially be uh, the king of customer service for the day. I, I love my titles. I love my awards. I need another plaque to put on my wall. So let's go for it. I'm ready. Okay. The, the, the only point I want to emphasize before I get into this is that I'm more concerned with quality than quantity. Uh, so, mm. so you can't go on a five-minute uh, <laughs> filibuster in order to score points. It's all about the quality hour. I understand. I, I, will, I will focus my energy on quality, maybe a little bit towards quantity, but mostly quality. Yes. All right. Good. Excellent. Well, getting into these points, uh, actually these four S's of the great customer experience, um, uh, some work we were doing with a government client recently, a local government client. Mm-hmm. And the government client was having a tremendous number of customer issues. The customers didn't, in general, like to have to deal with this kind of regulatory governmental enforcement body as it was. And they really didn't like dealing with this type of an organization when this regulatory experience was surrounded by a bad customer experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually enlisted, uh, we were enlisted to facilitate a series of focus groups, uh, report back not only to the customers in the community, the building development community, not only uh, to the heads of the local government agencies, but also to the local politicians, because Mm -hmm. this had risen to that level in the community. So Mm -hmm. when we identified what the customers wanted out of their experience, there were these four major uh, aspects of of internal improvement that needed to happen. But, But let me 
prior to getting into the first of these four, let me just ask you a quick question. Sure. When you would think about in your personal life, when mm-hmm. you're dealing with uh, an organization like a government entity or even an educational organization or a bank, and, and you're thinking, for me to have a good experience in paying a bill and transferring money and opening an account and registering for a class, what are some of those things that would constitute your having a great experience? Um. I think uh, knowing that there's people tending to my needs and listening to me, uh, making sure there's enough of those people around, that I feel like I'm not having to wait terribly long time, that there's enough depth of resources with with whoever I'm interacting with, that I'm going to get some quick, immediate resolution as much possible. I'm kept up to date on things, communication-wise. Um, I feel like people are able to actually do something with any issue or problem I may have. You know, they're able to be responsive. They're able to be reactionary. Am I giving you the quality you're looking for, Ed, or do you want me to keep you, dishing out the quantity here? So, you know, you know, I I, I hate to say uh, quantity doesn't matter because you gave a, a large amount of quality along, uh, you know, with your quantity. So yes. you actually start out strong. That's fifteen thousand points. Wow! Just for that answer, Alan, I'm right out of the gate, impressed. right out of the gate. That's that's for the ki- that's the kickoff return. I just ran it down the field. Fifteen thousand <laughs> points. Awesome. Very excited. Yeah. Because you talked about really important things. You talked about wait time. You talked about the depth of the resources. You talked about, you know, do they have people waiting on me uh, or, or ready to wait on me? How's the communication? Are they responsive? Are they actually doing something with my needs, my issues? The, and the first of these four S's really gets at several of those points. The mm-hmm. first is staffing. Yeah. I mean, think about situations where you've run into where you've called, called the phone company, called any organization for that matter, and there's long hold times. Yes. You know, part of your aggravation, part of your bad experience is because they don't have the people, the number of resources uh, to, to make it a very quick uh, handoff uh, into that first representative. You know, think about your drive-through. Uh, when you go uh, through some kind of a drive-through line and there's a long wait, maybe it's a process issue, maybe it's a staffing issue. They don't have the people to, to, to prepare the food or whatever the case might be. So believe it or not, having the appropriate staffing Having staffing, whether it's by time of day or day a week or season, that mirrors the the customer volume is one of those internal root causes of problems with wait times. If we're saying we have incredible wait times or we have delays or we have long hold times, one of the things organizations really need to do internally uh, is to look at that staffing. Well, and you're you're so right. I mean, I, I I can just imagine an organization that has everything working right from customer service standpoints. They've got the right processes. They've got the right responsiveness to things. But yet if they don't have the staffing, you know, it doesn't matter how good the rest of the process is. If you're having to wait forever or you feel like you're being spread too thin across a very small number of staff, everything falls apart. You know, every possible thing that you can encounter starts to fall apart. So. I'm glad you have this as one of your four S's because I do think it's extremely, extremely important. Yes, we have one client that is really working hard on culture change, and there's a lot of positive energy from leadership, and and there's a lot of uh, good, uh, well-intended people. But when you ask them about the current culture, one of the main words that's being used to describe it right now is overwhelmed. Mm. We're being Mm. asked to do too much. And it's one of those situations where it's hard to deliver a great experience to a a customer when you're overwhelmed. It's tough to be responsive and timely 
uh, if you don't have if you have too much work for the number of hours in the day and the person your coworker that you're trying to communicate with to address that particular client issue or need is also overwhelmed so literally just the staffing levels being intentional about what those staffing levels are how we can encourage people uh, with processes and training et cetera to be productive and then making sure that the staffing actually mirrors the customer volume, like I said, by time of day, day, week, season, can help to facilitate a great customer experience. Yeah, absolutely. So staffing, one of those, the, the first one you got on the list, first of the four S's of the customer experience. Right. Uh, so what's our second S then, Ed? The second is solving issues. Okay. Uh, so oftentimes we think a great customer experience means you do it right the first time and it's always perfect and it's always what you expect. But the reality is sometimes the equipment breaks down. Sometimes there are too many customers or too much work for the volume. Sometimes somebody did have a bad day or there was a defective product. I mean, in a perfect world, you wouldn't have to deal with issues, but there's no such thing as a perfect world. And I'm going to read some stats to you. I know it's kind of hard to do this on a podcast, but mm-hmm. just a, four quick stats that came out of a study years ago on resolving issues. Okay. And it said uh, 82% of the time when you resolve an issue quickly, then that customer will come back to your business. Hmm. Okay. 50, 54% of the time, about half, if you resolve the issue, but it takes a good while, they'll come back. Hmm. If there's an issue that's presented and you don't resolve it, the probability they'll come back is only 29%. <laughs> and if they have an issue, they feel it, but they don't convey it to you, the likelihood they'll come back is only 9%. So again, okay. resolve quickly is 82. Resolve slowly is 54. Don't resolve is 29. You don't even hear the complaint is 9. What, what, is, what, what conclusions do you draw from that? Well, obviously, speed of resolution is extremely important. I mean, you know, you go from a, a half retaining to you know over two thir- over three quarters retaining, just because of the speed of your responsiveness. So, we've talked in the past about responsiveness and how you have to make sure you're following up on every client's need. And obviously, your stats back that up. They say that if you're not, you're going to lose possibly more than three quarters of your 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 audience, your your customers right away. But the speed also has an impact on it, too. So they don't feel like you're just taking your sweet time getting back to them and responding to their issue. It's responding to it and responding to it pretty quickly. Right. That's exactly right. So when you think about solving issues to a lot of clients, it's not just how are you interacting with me, your body, with your body language, your tone of voice. Uh, In terms of that moment of truth when they're complaining about something, it's also how well equipped is your company to address issues very quickly in a very expeditious manner. One key to doing that is employee ownership. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you have employees who, if there's an issue, their first reaction, if it's not 100% within their purview, is you need to call somebody else. You need to talk to somebody else. Here's another, another number to call. That's a lack of ownership. That is dumping the responsibility back on the customer uh, that is delaying the resolution, that is creating frustration. So now you're not only not solving the issue because of a lack of ownership, but you're actually adding to the issue. The The process of issue resolution is becoming a problem in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Now, secondly, even beyond that, we need to make sure we have processes in place where there is quick facilitation of communications between employees on the spot. I'm in a customer service call center. I need to call finance or billing about an issue. 
I can do that while the customer's on the phone. I can resolve it quickly. I can get back to the customer. And even though I and the customer service call center didn't cause a problem, I am facilitating the resolution immediately. So some of this has to deal with just a culture of ownership. Some of it has to deal with internal processes that facilitate quick resolution for the customer. Well, I like your point about the having staff that can own the issue and, and take it on, you know, equating it a little bit to some of the work we do in, in hospitals with patient satisfaction. We have found so many times that when employees feel like they're able to take action on things that need to be fixed, in other words, a problems come up and they've been given the ability and the power to act on those issues, it has a really strong ripple effect on whether or not that patient is overall satisfied with the experience they had. The patients pick up on that. They know that they're dealing with staff that are empowered, that can actually do something with an issue as opposed to feeling like their hands are tied and the staff can't really help them with what they're trying to do. So you're kind of looking at the same standpoint. I mean, it's, it's making sure your staff will take ownership of it, but also making sure they know that they're, they're allowed to and giving them that, that freedom to actually tackle issues when they come up. Yeah, and that was not only an excellent healthcare example, but that was a good tie back to the customer experience. And that, that is worth 7,000 points yes. now. And you're up to 22,000 already. That's a that's a mm. very fast start. But we're but we're halfway through the game, and I'm supposed to get to 50, right? So, uh, Well, I'll, I'll, I have a couple other points before the break. Is there going to be like a – okay, okay, good. So I do have some other opportunities. I'm not, I'm not limited to just – just the two points after the break here in a minute, right? No, no, you're doing good. Just okay. Fine. I'm a little nervous, Ed. I mean, I've got you set a goal for me, and I really want to achieve that goal. So I, I like the fact that you're emotionally invested in this game, <laughs> or maybe I should be worried about that. That a grown man is emotionally invested about fake points. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, they're fake. Points. I mean, but you promised me a title and everything, so good there's point. there's a lot there's a lot on the line right now. So the king of customer service for a day. That's so solving issues really that second S of the customer experience. It is. And there's actually a way to test out some of these things. Mm-hmm. This is you don't necessarily need to do what we would call mystery shopping to do it, but organizations can can easily test these. For example, uh, one thing we suggest that you do is to identify some key customer complaints of your organization that a customer might present. Make that complaint via the phone. Make that complaint via the web. Have somebody go on site to your business, make the exact same complaint, and then have somebody email in that complaint. And what you're looking for is speed. You've talked about speed a couple times. Ownership, you talked about that as well. Resolution, you talked about that. Ease of process, we've talked about that. So what you're doing is you're sending the same complaint through four different vehicles within your company. You're trying to gauge how quick it is, what's the ownership like, the resolution, the ease of process. But you're not only gauging those characteristics, you're comparing them from phone to web to on-site to email just to make sure that there's full, as close to full consistency as there can be. Interesting. Uh, yeah, another way to test it is to actually present issues about the company to employees who did not cause the issue. Now, let me mm-hmm. restate make make sure it's clear. But you talked about ownership and how important mm-hmm. that is. And it was neat because when you were describing the healthcare example, I was envisioning – a patient in a bed complaining to a tech, let's say. And she complains to the tech. The tech says, I'll take care of that for you. That tech immediately gets somebody on the phone, uh, and they resolve it, and it's done in about two minutes. Mm -hmm. Then I'm envisioning uh, that same patient asking another tech uh, about an issue complaining, and the tech says, uh, well, your nurse should be coming in the next hour. Uh, Just talk to her about it, and they leave. Right. Hmm. Now, the first case, it's ownership. 
The second case, it's not. In both cases, maybe it's dialogue with the nurse that actually gets it resolved. But how does the patient feel yeah. in that first example versus the second example? Right. Well, a- yeah. And that second one, it's just you feel like you're just being passed off. You feel like, exactly. OK, well, it's a hot potato and it's not my job. So I'm going to kind of keep pump- bumping you down the line until somebody else can help you out. Exactly. So hot potato. I'll give you two thousand for that. Wasn't, Thank you. Wasn't strong, but again, you're good at vivid imagery today, Alan. Um, I appreciate that. Thanks. I, I appreciate the feedback. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> so this last point, uh-huh. uh, piggybacking on that patient example, is uh, present the issues about the company to employees who do not cause the issue. Okay. Like that tech in the hospital room does not cause the issue. Right. And see what happens. Because not every customer is going to complain to the exact right person who caused the issue to resolve the issue. Sometimes a customer just complained to somebody because you're wearing that company's shirt mm-hmm. or you answered that particular phone. So one way to really gauge how well internally we communicate internally how much we own issues is to actually have customers complain to somebody who is not uh, the primary person who may have caused the issue and just see how well does the organization work internally to drive to a solution. That would be really interesting to see. I like that idea of testing those models in both places. So great. So when we're talking about solving issues, it's not only being quick and timely with the result uh, response and making sure that uh, the, the, the customer knows that we're on top of this, we're going to help solve this issue, but it's making sure your staff are really owning the issue and taking it exactly. and not passing it on to somebody else, uh, even if they weren't directly involved with causing the issue in the first place. Exactly. Great. Very good. Well, Ed, how about we take a quick break and sure. we come back, we can hit the other two S's of the four S's of the customer experience that we're talking about. Again, these are the must-dos, the non-negotiable things that an organization must have in place to ensure they're able to deliver the kind of customer service that their their customers and clients are expecting. This is uh, kind of a stepping up service here on the TV, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. And we're the co-host of Foot Candle Films, a movie review and film discussion show here on TheMesh.TV. Each episode, we talk about some new movies, cover some film news, and have some recommendations. And trust us, we're just as likely to talk about the latest Jim Jarmusch film as we are the newest Transformers installment. Hold on, don't get too crazy. Uh, well, okay, maybe not that bad. But you can find our show and all our episodes on TheMesh.TV. Plus, you can subscribe to get new episodes delivered right to your computer or mobile device. We'll see you in the ticket line. Hello and welcome back to Stepping Up Service here on the Mesh.tv. This is Alan Jackson of the Jackson Group alongside Ed Gagnon with Customer Service Solutions. And before the break, we were going through the first two of the four S's of the customer experience. These are the non-negotiable must-do items that an organization has to have in place from a culture standpoint or from a system standpoint to ensure that they can deliver the kind of customer experience that a lot of today's customers are looking for. We already talked about staffing, and we talked about solving issues, making sure you have enough staff to handle the needs of your customers, and then making sure any issues that come up with your customers are solved and taken care of, and that there's processes and systems in place to do so. So, Ed, let's jump right into number three. What is the third S of the customer experience that we have to ensure is in our organization? Yeah, in your organization, the third S is statusing. So let's look at statusing from the customer's perspective. Uh, Think about uh, if you're ordering something online, it's not going to be delivered for a week or two. Mm -hmm. There's a gap. Think about when you order your meal at a restaurant uh, and it's taking a long time. Think about uh, when you send in a complaint 
via email or the web or you leave a voicemail and you're you're waiting for the resolution or when your car's going to be repaired. I don't know if you recall this story I told several podcasts ago, but my car got damaged by an 18-wheeler when it was sitting in the parking lot of a car dealer. I know that sounds crazy. I think you – I remember you mentioned it to me. I can't remember if it was on the show or off the show, but wow, that's crazy. Yeah, okay. Yeah, basically my car was just having a normal service, and the technician parked it right outside the garage at Mm -hmm. this particular dealer. And an 18-wheeler came by and was going around a corner and just – ripped off uh, or ripped through basically the entire passenger side of my car while it was just sitting there. Wow. Just crazy stuff. So I took it to a body shop and what the body shop did, and this is where we get into statusing, you know, the, the car is your baby. A lot of people mm-hmm. feel like that car is my baby and and I'm going to be at my car for four or five days and what are they doing to my car? Well, one way that they help to alleviate my fears and any nervousness there might have been with my baby uh, was they posted pictures on a website specific to my vehicle. The login was specific to my vehicle every night, and it showed where my car was, and it showed the progress they were making. So I could tell, I could see when they pulled the door off, and I could see when they they put the new uh, right front quarter panel on, and I could see when it was getting ready to get its first coat of paint. And I could see how it looked after that, and I could see. So it really gave you this sense of progress. And just like you want a sense of progress when you order online, you want a sense of progress when you're waiting a long time for a food, when you send in a complaint, it's the same idea. Not everything in organizations is immediate. Sometimes there's delay. Sometimes there's wait. For whatever reason, whether it's built in or whether it was unexpected, and to so many customers, their experience is greatly impacted by do they know where my product, where my service, where my car, where my complaint, where my order is in the process? Am I being communicated with to be kept up to date so that I, I don't let my mind wander, go negative? I'm always aware of the status of that particular situation. I think that's a great, great point. I, I'm a big status guy. I'm a big dashboard guy, you know, any kind of web service I use or any kind of a a vendor situation where I can actually check on status at any given time, any given day and see where we are. It just puts your mind at ease. And and you mentioned the thing about allows your, your mind not to go negative. And I think that's really important. uh, Cause I can just imagine as a company, you're doing the right thing for your customer behind the scenes, like you're working on it. But if they don't know that, and sometimes people's brains can just go on to the most negative situation, they may have already told friends and family that I don't think they're doing anything with this. I, I'm sure they've already forgotten about me. And granted, the, the company may be doing the right thing and actually have the, the situation resolved or have your product finished or whatever in the time it was supposed to be. But if you let that uncertainty fester out there, there's no telling what kind of damage it could be doing to your reputation, to how people see your organization, even if you didn't really do anything wrong. So that, that up-to-date statusing and letting them know what's going on, you're right, is, is extremely important. Well, Alan, you not only took this concept of statusing and, again, linked it back to the customer experience, which is excellent, which earns you 7,000 more points, Alan. So right mm-hmm. now you're up to 31,000. Really, but- really? That was a, that was a 7,000? See, I, was, I, oh. I personally thought... I'm just saying, I'm not trying to argue with your game, okay? I, you have your rules, you have your scoring scheme. I felt like that was more to eight to 9,000 answer. That was just based on previous scoring. 
But again, if you want to keep me a seven, that's okay. I like the challenge. I'll, I'll make it up later on in the game. That's okay. Well, well it's first all right. of all, for interrupting me, you get deducted 2000 <laughs> down to 29000 Yes, sir. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> and the reason why I say you interrupted me, I was only halfway through my allocation of points. Oh. The other thing you did is you not only linked it back to the impact on the customer and the customer experience, but you linked it back to the company brand. So you're not just talking about how the customer feel, but you were starting to talk about brand and impact and reputation, and that was worth an additional five thousand. So you're thirty four thousand, Alan. Thirty four, and you are you're you're close. You still got work to do, but you're close to that fifty thousand level. Yeah, Mr. Gagnon, I'm so sorry for interrupting you. I will not let that happen again. I've learned my lesson. So, courtesy (laughs) and respect, you're up to thirty six. You got the two thousand back. Very good. Thank you so much. Yes. <laughs> so statusing is really that third important as of the customer experience. And I, I, again, all three of these are just, you're right, they're critical, Ed, so far. I mean, I can't imagine an organization not having a strong customer, having a strong customer service experience, but not having one of these three or all three of these things in their, in their workplace. So, so let's bring it home. What is that fourth S that we are absolute must-haves for any organization delivering a strong customer service experience? Yes, the fourth S is a catch-all. The fourth S is simplifying. Okay. And he, let me let me give you an example. I want to read something to you. This sure. is a street sign. Okay. okay? All right. Uh, it says, city parking limited to even number side on even number months, odd number side on odd number months, April through September, even number side on even number days, odd number side on odd number days, October through March, alternate 10 a.m. What? <laughs> okay. Hold on. I'm going to try to help you out here, Alan. I know the people listening to the podcast won't get this additional help. Right. Uh, but I am holding up uh, the sign. Uh, oh, my and gosh. you can read this sign. Hopefully, you can read that. Yeah, I can, re- I, I can read it. And it is, I mean, A, it's way too many words for a, a street sign. B, I can make out the words, but I'm, like, looking pretty closely at it. I can't imagine anybody being more than 10, 15 feet away from the sign being able to read any bit of it. And I still don't understand what I'm supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, if you think about a billboard, you know, they always talk about a a one or two or three second rule where Mm -hmm. you've got to be able to make your message known and clear in one or two or three seconds. Uh, You know, I am looking at this for probably 45 seconds now, and I still don't understand what the street sign is trying to tell me. And part of the reason is it is just way too complex. Yes. I mean, if we want to have a great customer experience, part of having a great customer experience is not confusing the customer. (laughs) It's one of the maxims we use with so many clients is you have to make everything so simple and self-evident that a first time customer can have as great an experience as a long term customer. And how do you do that? You make everything so simple, so clear uh, that whether they're navigating your, your storefront, whether they're trying to find your building, whether they're looking at a process online or trying to navigate a website, whether they're looking at instructions or trying to understand how to do step A and B or who to contact about what, it is so simple, so clear what needs to be done and when it needs to be done by that even the first-time customer can have a great experience. So the fourth S about the customer experience is we have to internally figure out how do we make it easier on our employees to deliver a great experience and how do we make things so simple and self-evident that the customer doesn't have to unnecessarily reach out and find one of the staff in order to get a question answered, that everything's so self-evident that the questions don't even arise. 
Oh, that's great. I mean, it's a, you're right. It is a kind of a good overall general catch all with that. But, um, we've just talked about it even in our stories of the month that we share, which I know we're going to have one here in a minute to share at the end of this episode. But so many of our stories of the month have talked about the negative ones anyway, about how complex a process is or how complex yes. something was when it could have been so much simpler and easier to do. I've talked to enough people and enough organizations where when we talk about ways to simplify things for the customer, there's normally a lot of pushback from certain staff about, well, that's going to make it harder on our side, and that's going to cause more work here, and that's going to take a lot of time to build that up, and all this on, on and on, a lot of roadblocks to yes. making it simple for the customer. And I mean, even like your parking sign example, the, the, the crazy complex parking sign. I'm sure there's reasons why they needed a little more of an intricate parking system there for whatever reason it may be. And they think, well, this is going to help our process better by making it this complex. But you just got to turn the tables and say, no, the, the customer comes first. It's our job to build on our end how to work around it as long as the customer's got the simplest, easiest process they possibly can. Um, it's a real challenge for a lot of people I know. And I know, especially when you get to cities and governments and all that, it's, it becomes a real issue because you've got internal versus external facing. How do we make it easy for us internally? But yet that normally means complicating it more for the customer. Um, and you just got to be able, you got to take the customer first. Yeah. And that's interesting because you talked about taking the customer first, 2000 points for that. Thank you. You can't say that too often. You talked about a really interesting point that a lot of people don't don't totally think through, but simplifying for the customer is one of the more difficult things a company can do. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I was reporting to a COO uh, at a hospital, uh, uh, you know, just uh, out of irony here. Uh, sure. And this was like 20 years ago. He had just taken the position. I went into his office, and uh, and one of the points I made to him was things are too complex around here. There's too many rules and policies and meetings and groups and ways to make decisions and, and variability based on certain situations. We, we need to try to figure out how to strip away some of the complexity and make it more simple. And he said, well, Ed, the only problem is when you're dealing with the administrators in this hospital, uh, we don't necessarily think that simplicity is challenging. And I said, simplicity is one of the most difficult things to attain. It, there's nothing easier than saying, hey, we have a new policy, let's just add it on. Hey, we have a new procedure, let's add it on. We have a new form, let's add it on. To just let things evolve and evolve mm-hmm. and evolve and evolve to, till it, it's a very complex, convoluted uh, organizational structure mm-hmm. and way of doing things. One of the most difficult things to do is to take all these functions, take all these features, take all these policies, take all these processes, take all these people and try to design them to deliver a great experience in the most simple way possible for the customer or in this case, the patient. So a quick question for you. When you say simplifying, Mm -hmm. give me an example, uh, two examples. And since you're at 38,000 points now, believe it or not, each of these examples are worth 6,000. So you'll hit 50 on the dot. Wow. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing how it works out like that. (laughs) I I know. And I I made up this scoring system before we even started. I'm sure you did. Unbelievable. You had landed on 38. (laughs) Absolutely. I know you had this all planned out and it's just amazing. It could work out this way. If I can just pull together these next two answers. Okay. All right. The two examples I'd like from you are from different industries. It can be your personal life as a customer or just industries that you've worked with where something is a process or facility navigation or website or whatever. Two specific examples 
where the organization set up something to be far too complex for a new customer. Absolutely. I've got it. I've got one even today I was dealing with. Um, my cable TV provider, which will remain nameless, I was interested in trying to find out what packages I currently have in my cable TV subscription. Because I never remember. You know, I, I know that at one point I may have added some sports package and I can't remember if I still had it or not. I always forget. So I thought I'll go on the website. I'll pull up my account and surely that's where they have my account information. I should be able to see, Oh, Alan Jackson has this package and this sure. package and it costs this much money. Nope. Can't find it. Really? I've gone through their website. I went through it or first thing this morning. I went through it later today. I still can't find anything about what packages I have, let alone if I did decide I needed to add some channels to my package. I would think, again, in today's digital world, that should be a pretty easy, quick thing to do. Everything I can find is that I've just got to call and get put on hold and talk to somebody to find out what I have package-wise and if I want to add something. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's, that should be, it, for a, a contemporary technology company, that should be a simple thing for the consumer. And already I can tell it's not. So that's, my, that's one example. Ding, ding, 6,000 points. You're awesome. 6,000 away, Alan. Okay, so then, <laughs> all right, so I got to come up with another one, another example of where just something should have been simple and it has not been, so. Yes. Um, I will say parking, because I, I got inspired by your parking sign there. Yes. Um, I did travel uh, for work not too long ago, and I had to, uh, I was taking my a rental car, and I needed to park somewhere for an appointment. This was with a business, and they didn't have a dedicated parking lot. It was a uh, kind of a metered system outside. It was in a bigger city. And when I got there, I realized that it was the, the meters no longer took coins, okay? So in other words, you couldn't just pop in quarters or whatever. You had to actually get an app on your phone and use the app wow. to add dollars from your credit card Onto the meter. Now, normally I'm a guy where if you tell me something's going to be through a mobile app, I'm like, oh, that's that's pretty good. That's simple. That's easy. But then, yeah. but but put yourself in this situation. You're trying to park, and you found a spot, and then you realize, a, you've got to download an app. Which hopefully your your cell phone signal strong enough to download an app on your phone at that moment. B, you then had to go in and punch in your credit card into the app so that the app could then coordinate with your parking meter, and all this. And it was now that I'm all set up and now that I've got the app on my phone and all that, yes, next time I go, it'll be an easy process. But that first time was a nightmare. And right away, the way they could have made that simple is, yes, still have the whole app mechanism. But hey, first time here, don't have the app. That's fine. Here's some coin slots, drop in some coins. We'll take care of you this first time. But coming back next time, go ahead and download the app if you're planning on coming back and we'll make sure you're, you're taken care of nice and automatic next time. Right. So that's, that's the issues I have with that is that, yes, it would have been a little more work for the company to have had both the coin slots and the mobile app integration on the same meter and making that work. I'm sure there's a lot more logistical issue to do that. But for me, I was in a bind stuck where I could not find anywhere else to park. And this was my only option. And it was dependent on whether or not I could download a mobile app on my phone and get it linked up with my credit card in the time I needed. That just seemed ridiculous. Yeah, and you've seen my phone, which uh, I think has physical and, and, and capabilities of downloading anything. So. Is that a is that a rotary dial on the front of the phone? Did uh, I see it that? It feels like it sometimes. 
Uh, if you have to press a button three times to type the letter I, yes, I'm a little bit behind. The wow. So. I still, and I still love that though. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> something about that just so, so nice, you know, a little bit of that stepping away from that, that, that cutting edge technology every once in a while. It's okay with me. Yeah. Well, by the way, ding, ding, you got your final 6,000 points out. Wow. So remind me again, just because I like, I like the accolades on this thing. So I am customer service king for the day. Exactly. Okay, good. And this runs 24 hours. So it starts now and it goes through 2.17 p.m. tomorrow. Oh, good. So I've got that going into Saturday, into the weekend as well. I can kind of uh, lord that over my family. Um, I think I've got an extra sash at the house. I can probably embroider the letters on this and wear it around the house. Uh, I might be able to get a, a custom t- a T-shirt and hat made tonight too. Yes. Um, good. I'm definitely going to milk this for everything I can. I'm sure my kids will be incredibly impressed. Well, you deserve it. If they said they had a good day, say I'm happy for you. But did you score fifty thousand points on a podcast? <laughs> that's right. Did you? Win, they will say no. Did you win a title today? You didn't. Oh, that's too bad. Maybe next time, kids. <laughs> Your daddy did though. Your daddy did very well today. Well, in all seriousness, these are four incredibly important S's for the customer experience that we've been talking about: staffing, solving issues, statusing, and simplifying. And again. I know I probably sound like a broken record after each one that you mentioned and just me saying how important that was, but it really is true. All four of them are critical. And I think you have to have a good, good level of all four in place at your organization. If you're ever going to imagine that your culture can be one of, we deliver consistent, high quality customer service. So yeah, that's a great summary. I wish I could give you more bonus points, but I'm all out. That's okay. I, you know, I'm not greedy. I've got my title. There's nothing else to shoot for right now. I'm done. I don't need any more points. I'm all good. So no problem. Excellent. Well, Ed, we always close out our show with the uh, customer service story of the month. And this is just an example where, you know, you and I experienced something in the last 30 some days since the last time we recorded something that was either a very positive customer service story or maybe one that did not go so well. And it could be a good lesson learned or something as a, a model of what not to do for all, all of our listeners out there. Ed, have you had a customer service experience you want to share with us from the past month? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Well, why don't you go on ahead then? Okay. And uh, prior to saying this, are you, are you more of an uh, Apple guy, like iPhone, iPad kind of guy? I am. I'm a Mac okay. guy, yes. Or, a- Apple, Mac, iPhone, yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so, so is my daughter. I, I, for whatever reason, never caught the fever. I am uh, Not that I love Microsoft. I am definitely more of a Microsoft guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, early on this year, bought a Microsoft Surface Pro 3. Yes, very uh, good, and, very good machine, though. Yes, thanks. And I, I've been thrilled with it. Yes. I mean, it's just a world faster than my old machine. It's incredibly convenient. Um, and I've had just two issues with it, and they're not huge issues, but one, the Surface Pro 3 pen started working only intermittently, and mm-hmm. this was a couple months ago. You, I used that to literally... Uh, instead of taking notes on paper now, I use virtually no paper. Mm. Uh, I take notes in the OneNote function, and um, I, it's just all contained on the computer. So I, I virtually do nothing on hard copy. So basically, the pen, Surface Pro 3 pen, is my pen. Mm-hmm. Um, that went bad uh, a couple months ago. A charger mm. this past week. When I plugged in the charger into the Surface Pro 3, the light started blinking, Mm -hmm. and it was only charging the Surface Pro 3 intermittently. So in both cases, uh, I went to the Microsoft store. Uh, They asked how they could help me. I told them what the issue was. 
Um, they did not ask for a receipt for my purchase at the start of the year. They just asked for my email address, I assume, to verify that it was under warranty or just to verify I did purchase it. Um, they didn't test the pen. They didn't argue the point. They didn't test the charger. They didn't argue my point. It was just a matter of let's see if we have one in stock. <laughs> right, we do. We verified that you, you had purchased uh, this through Microsoft. There was no hassle. There was no inquisition. Uh, they just trusted that the customer was honest. And because of that, it was not only a quick process, um, but it was one where I walked away feeling like, hey, these folks not only just replaced what was wrong, but they treated me in a way that, that conveyed they felt I was honest, it, which leads to respect and all those other things customers want nowadays. So it was just a really good experience. I'm sure uh, that, that you've probably experienced similar things with an Apple store, but uh, it, it's just nice um, that, to be imparted with this feeling by the employee that, that they trust the customer. You know, and that's become such a really important point for so many tech technology stores lately. I think Apple, Microsoft, same idea. I think they've, they're realizing that the more limitations they put on where they're questioning and having to go through all this rigmarole to see if they can possibly even look at replacing a, a component for you. Uh, granted, from a bean counter financial standpoint, I get it. You don't want to be giving away free stuff uh, if somebody can't brought something in that didn't really need to be replaced or was maybe a fault of the customer for breaking. But, you know, you trade that off. I mean, is, is it worth it to just, just trust the customer and just help the replacement, even if it may not truly have been warranted? And the answer is yes. I mean, it absolutely is. Uh, I read so many tech blogs and customer service blogs about you know people in the technology field, and that is a huge, huge issue for people. Is that they feel like they're being questioned too many times? How did this break? Well, why did this happen? We gotta go test this for a little while. We're gonna need you to wait for a bit to see if we can uh, make this work or not. Uh, right away, that you're losing your, that customer, and uh, sometimes you just gotta roll the dice and you just need to trust them. You know? Yes, definitely. So it was it was very positive. I, I liked the feeling that I had coming out of it, and. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you bring up trust. It's almost like you're alluding to loyalty. And I started the story by asking if you were an Apple or Mac person, and mm-hmm. I was more of a Microsoft person. And, and just the fact that we would describe ourselves in those terms speaks to loyalty and the importance of loyalty and, yes. and how you engender loyalty over time. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, my story is is kind of an interesting one. It's actually it was a little bit of an unexpected one for me. Um, I was, at a, uh, I was at a function this past week, and uh, it was a Rotary Club function. I'm part of the Rotary Club here in, in, in my county. And about halfway through the, uh, the meeting, uh, the power went out throughout the entire building. We're at a country club setting. Just oh, nice. power just went out everywhere. And my house is only maybe a half a mile down the road from where this facility was. So right away, my, my brain starts racing, like within the first few seconds. Okay, I wonder if the, the power is out at my house as well, oh, yes. you know, because I'm thinking, okay, nobody's home all day. If the power is going to be out for the whole rest of the day, you know, then I just got to start worrying about what do we do about any food we've got in the refrigerator and all this. Of course, my brain is just going a mile a minute for like that 15, 20 seconds after I see the power goes out of this facility. I had signed up for a, a security system several years ago when we got into our house, in the house that we're in. And one of the features that they, they upsold me on it at the time, I didn't really think it was maybe worth it, but my wife really wanted us to do it is to where the alarm system or security system was actually integrated with our, with the internet 
And if the power were to go out, the security system could still communicate with us through like cell phone signal. So that way it could communicate to us even if the power was out at the house. I didn't think much about it. I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but we went ahead and added that little extra surcharge to the, to the fees that we did. But what surprised me, power went out at this facility I was at within 30 seconds. There was a, a, a notification on my phone saying, Hey, the power's out at your house as well. So good. That's good to know. Okay. So check that box. That's good information. That's starting to make this extra few dollars a month. We're paying be a little more worth it to do that. But then something really interesting came up on the screen as I started to drive away from the facility and I was trying to decide, was it just on my street? Was it on my, do I need to be calling this in? Do I need to be calling somebody to let them know that power's out on the street where my house is? My phone popped up with another message from that same security system saying, by the way, you know, it showed me a map. It said, by the way, we see that in your area, and it showed a map with a radius around it. In this area, about 30% of the people are without power, you know, wow. and there's been already this many reports of the, of the power being out. So it was a little bit more of that. It was that, it was that statusing, I guess is what I'm talking about, where it's yes. like, it's giving me feedback to say, in other words, Alan, don't, don't feel like you got to go and call the, the power company because all these other locations have already been reported. Everybody knows about it it's fine. And we're going to let you know when everything comes back on. And sure enough, an hour later, another text message came up, said, Hey, your power has been restored. Everything's good. <laughs> no problem. So it's like the whole thing was, I mean, I know technology can do this for us, but it was just that idea that I didn't even realize what it was I was getting with this feature. It was that up to date, keeping me up to date. And it was very, very quick. And I think that extra little piece of information to say, by the way, all these other people in this area are also without power and all these points have already been reported. So you don't need to worry about it right now. And we'll just keep you posted when it comes back on. That's the kind of updating and statusing that I want. And I think a lot of customers in today's world won't as well. It just helps us put our mind at ease and going back to your example about letting our negative brains float free. You know, if I had not gotten a notification that my power was out, but I knew some of the power was out around me, I'm going to go ahead and assume the power's out. I may be telling people around me that, hey, I don't know if the power's out or not. And I've got to leave the office and go back to the house and check on it. And thinking about already having to call ahead and all this stuff, my brain's just going down all those paths. This service was basically saying, don't worry about it. It's all taken care of. We'll keep you up to date. So I didn't have to think about it that much. And that's, that's I think, one of those four S's you were talking about with the statusing. Just let me know what's going on. And it was really nice to see that. I wish I had bonus points I could offer you for tying your story back into the four S's. That's that was pretty amazing. good. Well, I'm very impressed. That was Alan. really good. Is there any way I can go ahead and like start banking points for next month? Or is that, that, that not an option here on this game? So. Uh, well, we, we might have a different <laughs> game next month. Uh, so points might not be what you're really shooting for. So unfortunately we can't get ahead. We don't do carryovers here. I'm, okay. All right. I understand. Well, I tell you what, if you could just maybe send me kind of what the scoring scheme is going to be for next time. Sure. So I can start sure. prepping and getting ready for I'd appreciate that. I've, okay. I have a little bit of a reputation to maintain right now on this show, it looks like. So that's good. Yes. yes. And it's generally positive. <laughs> so that's good. Well, there's some good stories. So we, we, we had some, some good stuff to share there. I mean, and both of them kind of technology related, but I mean, that's honestly where I think most people are seeing a lot of their customer service experiences stem from Definitely. online yeah. services, use of technology, everything else. Um, and it's great when it works and it's great when people take it and, and, and really trust the customers and try to get them back up and running as quickly as possible. So good stories. So Ed, uh, people want to find out more about you, your company, what you guys are doing. CSS is the place to go. 
There's right. blogs. They can sign up for an email uh, newsletter and tip of the week type of thing. Is that right? Yes, yes. It's it's all up there. The podcast links to those are up there. Has a lot of information about our services, all the different types of clients that we work with as well. So uh, a lot, a lot of resources uh, for anybody wanting to go to cssamerica.com. Perfect. That's great. And then uh, the Jackson Group is our firm that conducts uh, customer and employee engagement and satisfaction surveys, as well as market and community perception surveys as well. Learn more about us at thejacksongroup.com. That's T H E. Jackson Group, all one word, dot com. Uh, the Mesh.TV is the network where you're listening to this show right now. Stepping Up Service is one of many shows that we have on the Mesh network. We encourage you to visit the Mesh website at TheMesh.TV. And not only can you find many, many back episodes of Stepping Up Service, but we've got a show on leadership. We've got a show on education. We've got a show on uh, being a caregiver for an aging parent. We've got a show on music. We've got a film review discussion show. I mean, it's just a nice variety of programs to listen to. There's even, Ed, a, uh, I don't know if you're either a fisherman or a chef, one of those two. Uh, not a fisherman, definitely. I love to cook when okay. I get the chance. Well, we have a show called Anglers and Appetites. And what it is, <laughs> it's an interesting format. It's actually a video program, so you actually do get to see. Oh, but the, the, the idea is that these two guys travel to different parts of the country and they spend their time fishing, and then they bring the fish into the kitchen and tell you some really interesting ways to prepare the fish. And we're talking some really nice gourmet recipes, and just they visit some wonderful restaurants and establishments in the areas where they're visiting. So it's just a great – it's like a little travelogue, but they focus it on those two activities. So it's really neat. Yeah. That's yeah. really interesting. Good. So, and it's great that there's video. Absolutely. Uh, it's a nice uh, 20-minute video program every time they put it out or so. Um, so with a lot of great things on the mesh.tv, we encourage you to check it out. And you can always write us from that site through the contact us page. Uh, reach out to us on uh, social media and especially through iTunes. If you use Apple iTunes to download the episodes, uh, feel free to give us a star rating or uh, write a comment and post let us know what you think of the show. And also, I did realize that uh, it looks like anybody using Android as their phone, Google Android phones, uh, there will be a new feature to where people can automatically get into podcasts a lot easier through a podcast app that is being made available. So we're going to make sure that all of the mesh shows are piped through there as well here in the next couple of months. So with that, Ed, I think we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, Sounds great. I hope you have a great weekend and thanks for everybody listening. And we'll see you all next time. Take care. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.